For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the Blood Covenant. This is part four of the series. So as we saw earlier when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and listened to the voice of the serpent, eating is a Hebraic way of communicating, entering into a covenant with another party. So in Exodus chapter 34 verse 15, it is written, Let us make a covenant. The Strong's number 1285, the Hebrew word Brit, a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And what do we see here? What they did when they made a covenant with the inhabitants of the land? They sacrificed under their gods and they ate of these sacrifices. That is because the Hebrew word Brit, the Strong's number 1285, comes from the Strong's number 1262, which is the Hebrew word Barah, which means to eat. So linguistically in the Hebrew, a covenant is associated with eating. So once again in Second Samuel chapter 3 verse 35, it is written, When all the people came to cause David to eat bread. Eat is the Strong's number 1262, the Hebrew word Barah. And once again, the Jesenius Hebrew Chaldean lexicon explains that Brit, covenant, is an eating together or a banquet from the Hebrew word Barah, which here is translated to eat. Since among Eastern peoples, to eat together is likened to make a covenant with someone and entering into a covenant of friendship. So now we're going to see how the tree of life in the Garden of Eden represents the Torah and following the Torah. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1, it is written, My son, forget not my Torah, but let your heart keep my commandments. So the subject of the verse is the Torah, or keeping the commandments. And what it goes on to say about following the Torah and keeping the commandments in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 18 is that she, that is the Torah, because in Hebrew Torah is feminine, A-H is a feminine ending in Hebrew, she, the Torah, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retains her. So we can see from Revelation chapter 22 that the tree of life, the Torah, represents those who do or keep Yeshua's commandments, and the tree of life is in the new Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 13 and 14, it is written, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So this is referring to Yeshua. Alpha and Omega are the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet, and it would correspond to the Aleph and the Tav in the Hebrew alphabet. So Yeshua is speaking and he says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So the New Jerusalem is reserved 
for the people that keep the Torah of Yeshua. So finally, we're going to see in the garden that from Adam and Eve sinning, the God of Israel made an atoning blood sacrifice for them. We can see this from Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins, and he clothed them. So in order to make these coats of skins, the God of Israel had to shed the blood of an animal. So that covers a perspective and an understanding of covenant in the Garden of Eden. And now we're going to look at the story of Cain and Abel. And where it says that Cain and Abel brought an offering unto the Lord, the word offering in Hebrew is minha. And if you do a study on the Hebrew word for minha, it's a gift that you give to another person. And when you give a gift to another person, you're supposed to give something that's valuable. And you're supposed to give it from the heart. So a minha represents a best gift that you would give from your heart to another person. So that being the case, we're going to look at the minha offering of Cain and Abel. So in addition to the attitude of the heart in which Cain and Abel brought their gifts, we're going to see a deeper spiritual meaning in what they gave. Because Cain's offering came from the curse of the ground. He also happened to give this gift without it being given with an attitude of giving his best from his heart. So in Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, we can see that the ground from the sin of Adam and Eve was cursed by the God of Israel. And unto Adam he said, Cursed is the ground for your sake. Then in Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 it is written, And in process of time it came to pass that came brought of the fruit of the ground an offering, a minha, unto the Lord. Continuing in Genesis chapter 4 verse 4, In Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. In other words, he accepted it. So Abel gave a blood sacrifice while given this blood sacrifice with an attitude of giving his best from his heart. This is why the God of Israel accepted Abel's minha. But Cain's minha is rejected. Genesis chapter 4 verse 5. But unto Cain and his offering, it's the Strong's number 4503, in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, it's a Hebrew word minha, and we can see that a minha is a gift or a present, understood to come from the heart, and also understood to be your best. So unto Cain and his minha, the God of Israel did not receive. And as a result, Cain was very upset. He was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So now we're going to give you an example of how a minha represents a best gift from your heart. So now we're going to see how Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, instructed his sons to give a minha to Joseph in Egypt. In Genesis chapter 43 verse 11 it is written, And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this, Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down the man, referring to Joseph, a present. In Hebrew, a minha. So in Genesis chapter 43 verse 15, And the men took the present, the minha, and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. So not only did Cain bring an offering from the ground which was cursed, he did so in a begrudging manner from his heart. And when the God of Israel rejected his offering, Cain's anger toward God resulted in him murdering his brother. So in Genesis chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 it is written, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And in Hebrew it means to be furious. Because the God of Israel said to Cain in Genesis 4, 7, If you do well, if you do that which is right and proper and good, 
Will you not be accepted? Will I not accept your gift? But if you don't do in your heart what is good and right and proper, then sin lies at the door. So we see in Genesis chapter 4 verse 8 that Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, Yeshua in his parable of the wheat and the tares defined the field as the world, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. So when Cain killed his brother Abel, he shed his blood. So in Genesis chapter 4 verse 9 it is written, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And the God of Israel continues in Genesis chapter 4 verse 10 and says, The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. So we're told in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood has a life. And in Genesis chapter 4 verse 10 we're told that the blood has a voice as it cries out unto the God of Israel. So Cain's murder of Abel brings a curse upon him. So he brought a gift from the curse of the ground with an improper attitude from his heart And because that's what he brought or he sowed, that is what he reaps. His behavior brings a curse upon him. Genesis chapter 4 verse 11. And now are you cursed from the earth which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So we can now see elsewhere in scripture that the God of Israel proclaimed that the shedding of innocent blood is going to bring a curse upon you. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 it is written. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So in this verse we can see how the God of Israel permits capital punishment. So now in Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 10. That innocent blood be not shed in your land, which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance. And if you shed innocent blood, blood will be upon you. You will receive the judgment. So that covers the story of Cain and Abel, and we can see from their account in Scripture their link and their association with blood. So next we're going to look at Noah in the flood. And like Adam in the garden, Noah is going to represent mankind. We can see this from Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 and verse 18, as well as Genesis chapter 9, verse 9. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 and verse 18, it is written, And God said to Noah, And ye shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And now we can see how Noah represents mankind from Genesis chapter 9, verse 9. And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, which ultimately means mankind. So now let's look some of the terms of the covenant that the God of Israel is going to make with Noah. The God of Israel instructed Noah to bring two of each unclean species into the ark. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 19 it is written, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. But Noah is to bring seven of each clean species. Genesis chapter 7 verse 2 it is written, And of every clean beast you shall take to you by sevens, the male and its female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. So the God of Israel had Noah build an ark because he was going to bring a flood upon the earth and judge the wickedness of mankind who lived at that time. And the way the God of Israel is going to flood the earth is he's going to permit it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. 
In Genesis chapter 7 verse 4 it is written, For yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. So now since the God of Israel is making a covenant with Noah, who represents mankind, Noah is going to be given a test of faithfulness, and his test if he will be faithful to the command to build an ark. Genesis chapter 6 verses 13 and 14 it is written, And God said to Noah, Make you an ark of gopher wood. And we can see that Noah passed the test, because in Genesis chapter 6 verse 22 it says, Thus did Noah. Then in Genesis chapter 7 verse 9, There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. So as a part of this covenant that the God of Israel is making with Noah, the God of Israel instructs Noah that mankind can eat meat. Genesis chapter 9 verse 3 it is written, Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. Of course, the meat that mankind is to eat is to be biblically defined as being clean. And then also the God of Israel declared capital punishment for the shedding of innocent blood. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 it is written, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So as the part of the terms of this covenant, the God of Israel gives a blessing to Noah. And that is, following the flood, Noah, his family, and all flesh are given a blessing to multiply. In Genesis chapter 8 verses 15 through 17 it is written, And God spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark. Bring forth with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And then in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. So following the flood upon the earth, where it rained for forty days and forty nights, when Noah got off the ark, he built an altar unto the God of Israel for the purpose of offering him blood sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 it is written, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So in this covenant the God of Israel makes an oath to remove the curse of the ground. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 21 it is written, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. The God of Israel also gave an oath to not flood the entire world and to judge it in this way again. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 11 it is written, And I will establish my covenant with you. And neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. And neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. So the covenant sign of the oath and the promise of the God of Israel to never bring flood waters upon the entire earth again and to judge mankind in this way, the memorial sign of this oath is the rainbow in the sky. In Genesis chapter 9 verses 12 and 13 it is written, And God said, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. So that covers the covenant that the God of Israel made with Noah, who represented all mankind. And so next we're going to examine the blood covenant that Yeshua made with Abraham. So let's see how it was Yeshua that made a blood covenant with Abraham. 
In Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, it is written, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not seeds as of many, or plural, but as of one into your seed, which is Messiah. Then Paul goes on to explain in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, If you are Messiahs, if you believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, if you are in covenant relationship with Yeshua, which you are when you repent of your sins and accept Yeshua's shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins, by confessing that he is Messiah and you make him Savior and Lord of your life, then you are Abraham's seed and you are an heir according to the promise. So in Messiah, by receiving Yeshua as our Savior and Lord, we become heirs of the covenant promises that Yeshua made with Abraham. So in Galatians chapter 3 verse 16, when Paul points out that to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, and it doesn't say seeds, plural, but seed, the seed being Messiah, he was making a reference to Genesis chapter 17 verse 7, which says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and to your seed after you. So Yeshua is the seed. Yeshua is the word of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 and Revelation chapter 19 verse 13. And in Yeshua's parable of the sower, the seed is the word of God. So Yeshua is the seed, but he's making a covenant with Abraham's descendants, which is his seed. So Yeshua is the seed and he's making a covenant with Abraham's seed. So these two seeds, Yeshua and Abraham's descendants, are in covenant with each other. So the one that appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 is in the Hebrew El Shaddai. So in Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 it is written, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, I am Almighty God, in the Hebrew, El Shaddai. Well, we can see from Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, that Yeshua is El Shaddai. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 speaks of Yeshua. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye will see him, and they also which pierced him. Then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega. These are the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. The equivalent in Hebrew is the Aleph and the Tav. So Yeshua is the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, which is the rendering of the meaning of the divine name in Hebrew, yod heh which comes from the Hebrew verb to be, and that's why yod heh is sometimes rendered as to be eternal, to eternally exist, which means he is, he was, and he is to come. So the Aleph and the Tav is eternal. He's Yahweh, and he's also the Almighty, El Shaddai. So in this covenant, Yeshua represents himself and Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 12 and verse 17, it is written, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a whore of great darkness fell upon him. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. So Yeshua is represented in the smoking furnace and the burning lamp. So in this blood covenant between Yeshua and Abraham, which is unto Abraham's descendants as well, as a part of the blood covenant ceremony, there's an exchange of weapons. So this is why Yeshua is going to tell Abraham that he is Abraham's shield. He is Abraham's defense. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1, it is written, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. 
and your exceeding great reward. So the word shield in Hebrew was the Strong's number 4043 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, and it's the Hebrew word magen. And the Hebrew word magen comes from the Strong's number 1598, which is the Hebrew word ganan, which means to defend. So magen is a shield, and it comes from the Hebrew word to defend. So as a part of the blood covenant ceremony, there's an exchange of power. And Yeshua is going to be Abraham's power and provision. Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. When Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, I am El Shaddai. And Shaddai is the Strong's number 7706 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. And it means to be almighty, most powerful. And it means in Hebrew, the breasty one or the one that makes provision. Continuing as a part of the blood covenant ceremony, we're going to see that there is now an exchange of names. In Genesis chapter 17 verse 5, it is written, Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. So in Hebrew, the difference between Abram and Abraham is the letter He is added to the name Abram to make Abraham. And there is a letter He in the divine name of the God of Israel. Yod, He, Vav, He. So the God of Israel took the He out of his name and inserted it into Abram's name, making his new name Abraham. So not only did Abram receive a new name of Abraham, but his wife, Sarai, her name is changed to Sarah. We see this from Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, as it is written. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. So from Sarai to Sarah, she is given a He in her name. So in the divine name, yod He vav He, there are two He's in the divine name. So one of the He's was given to Abram, his name became Abraham, and the other He was given to Sarai, who became Sarah. So we can see how the God of Israel put his name into Abraham and Sarah. But now the God of Israel is going to take upon himself the name of Abraham and the name of Abraham's descendants, Isaac and Jacob. So in Exodus chapter 3 verse 15 it is written, And God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So for all generations, the God of Israel, even Yeshua, he being the one that's making the covenant with Abraham, wants to be known by this covenant forever. And he wants to be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one that made covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's proclaiming that this covenant relationship is forever. So as a part of the terms of this blood covenant, Abraham is promised a son. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 4, it is written, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, referring to Eleazar, the steward of his house, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels, ultimately referring to Isaac, he shall be your heir. So this covenant that Yeshua is making with Abraham is unto Abraham's descendants as well. We see this from Genesis chapter 17 verse 9. And God said to Abraham, You shall keep my covenant therefore you, your seed after you, and your generations. And in this covenant, the blessing that's a part of this covenant is that Abraham's descendants will be like the stars of the sky, meaning there will be too many to humanly number. In Genesis chapter 15 well, that's going to conclude part four of the series on the subject, The Blood Covenant.
Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.